Thank you, Brother Terry. My goodness, one of my favorites. I've got a lot of favorites. I don't know about you, but I do. Uh, I've asked Terry to sing a bunch of those favorites. When the Lord calls me home, so it's going to be a long funeral, I think. So I've had some others, I've asked some others to sing too. Uh, So anyway, thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team, Brother Terry. Thank all of you for taking part in worship. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22. We want to look at Luke chapter 22, and then we'll look at um, uh, some passages there. Several passages I'm going to share, but Luke chapter 22, we'll look at verse 31 through 34, and skip over to verse 54 through 60. And this morning, I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, The Sin of Backsliding. The sin of backsliding. If you would, and if you're able, please stand in reverence. And as we read the infallible, the inspired, the inerrant word of God, and we'll pick up with Luke chapter 22, verse 31, down to 34, and then flip over to 54. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, God's word says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Jesus told Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter... The rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And then if you would look at verse 54. Verse 54 through 60. Having arrested him, Jesus, having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. And now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him, but he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while another saw him, and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I'm not. Verse 59, Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to come into your presence and worship you today and now to open your word. Help me, I pray, as I share your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to be our teacher, our guide. Thank you for your spirit, how he convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And Father, that your Holy Spirit may do his work. And during the invitation time, people respond would respond not to what I'm saying, but to what you're saying and what you're calling them to do. I pray that we'll be obedient, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to share with you about a common sin, a common sin found, found in the church. It's the sin of backsliding. You may say, well, Brother Sammy, what is backsliding? You know, we don't hear many sermons about sin. We don't hear many sermons about backsliding. You say, well, Brother Sammy, what is backsliding? Well, there are two or three ways that people look at backsliding. They define backsliding. First of all, some would define a backslider based on their theological understanding of salvation. By that, they mean, they would say that backsliding has to do with something, has to do in regards to your salvation. So in their theology, they believe that a person is lost, then a person is saved, but then a person sins, but they're lost again. They've backslidden. So they acquaint sin and backsliding and loss of salvation together. But as Baptists today, we believe in a doctrine called the eternal security of the believer. That simply means that if you truly have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then you're saved forever. We believe you're saved eternally. We believe when you ask Christ to save you, you have what's known as everlasting life. You have what's known as eternal life, life forever. And John 3.16, one that we've memorized from time to time, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Now, you can't even define everlasting life and say that you can lose your eternal, uh, you can lose your salvation. Uh, it's everlasting life. He goes ahead in John chapter 3, verse 36, and says this again. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life has everlasting life, life without end. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So we believe that uh, when we are saved, that we receive eternal life, everlasting life. But some today see backsliding as a believer, falling away or losing their salvation when they sin. And that's a theological understanding they have of salvation. But then some others say that backsliding has to do with contamination. In other words, we get into some deep sin as a believer. As a believer, we get into some deep sin. We begin to lie, or we begin to steal, or we commit adultery, or we get involved in pornography, and we continue to live in the flesh. We live that way in the flesh. We're saved, they say, but we have backslidden. And some say, a preacher, I'm just an old backslider. In other words, I've lived in sin for a lot of years. Preacher, I'm just an old backslider. I, I, I've been saved, but I've been backslidden for five years, or for a year, or two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. Really? You've been saved... And you've been living in the flesh for 30 years or more. Do you think, do you honestly think that God would have allowed a child of his to live in sin that long without drawing him or her back to him through chastisement by now? 
Do you believe that He would not already have drawn you back by now if you're a true believer of His? Of course He would. He says He will. Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 5. Listen to what God's Word says about chastisement and the Christian. He says in verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He chastens and scourges how many? Every son, every person that he receives, whom he receives. If you endure, verse 7, if you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as sons or as a child of his. He deals with you as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? Did your parents discipline you? Yes, they did. Why? Because you belonged to them. You were their children or their child. They disciplined you, verse 8. But if you are without discipline, or which all, in which all become partakers, how many become partakers of his discipline if they're out of his will? All do. Not just some, but all do. If you're a child of God and you, you're wayward from God, God's going to discipline you. Okay? Let me say this. You're not going to be backslidden 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years until God gets a hold of you. If you belong to Him, for He goes ahead and says in verse 8, For if you're without chastising, which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and you're not sons. King James says, you're a bastard and not a true son of God. So, it's, be very careful to backslide, because if you're still in sin and God convicts you and you refuse to repent of that sin and turn back to Him, He will discipline you if you belong to Him. Now, if you're not experiencing any discipline, well, you've got a, you've got a worse problem. Most of the time, when a person backslides... They never have committed adultery or drugs or been drunk or pornography, and the list goes on and on. So backsliding is not salvation-oriented. It's not continuing in fleshly living-oriented. So what is backsliding? Backsliding is described in Proverbs uh, 14, verse 14. Jot this verse down. Proverbs 14, verse 14. Listen to this. The backslider in his heart. Now, where does it begin? Your backsliding begins where? In your heart. That's where it starts. It starts in your heart. The backslider in his heart will be filled with his own ways. But a good man will be satisfied from above. So a backslider is a person who is filled with his or her own ways. Now that word filled means satisfied. It means to have enough. So a person, a backslider, is a person who has enough with just himself or herself. Doesn't need God, doesn't need the church, doesn't need prayer time, doesn't need Bible study time, doesn't... Uh, he comes to church or she comes to church and service is boring. It's just, he's just full or she's full of themselves. That's a backslider. They live in the world and the things of the world consume them. And they begin to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's serious. 
Ephesians 4, verse 30. Listen to what he says. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So a backslider, full of himself, begins to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He grieves the Holy Spirit by loving something more than loving God. That's a backslider. Now, our text this morning, real quick, our text this morning focuses on a person you know, Peter. Peter. Peter and his denial of the Lord. Peter was a believer. He was a confessor of the Messiah. You've seen that. You've heard that before. So Peter, Peter's a believer. We'd say he was, he's a Christian. That's what we would call him. But perhaps, perhaps Peter... Um, he loved the Lord perhaps more than all the other disciples. He loved the Lord. Um, many of us, however, can identify with Peter because he had his ups and downs in his walk with the Lord. You ever had your ups and downs for the walk, your walk with the Lord? I have. Maybe up one minute, maybe down the next minute. Maybe really committed one minute or not so the next moment. So one day, Jesus asked Peter a question, and he said this. He says, who do you say that I am? Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said boldly, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus began to share with his disciples after that confession of Peter. He began to share with his disciples that he was going to suffer and he was going to be killed and he was going to be buried. But on the third day, he was going to be raised again. And guess who spoke up? Peter did. What did Peter say? Peter said, no, Lord, that's never going to happen to you. And Jesus rebuked him. You remember the story. Jesus rebuked him. And Jesus said what to him? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't calling Peter Satan. That wasn't what he was doing. He's, he's really saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter, you are being used by Satan. You're being used by Satan. When you say, no, that's never going to happen, we're not going to let that happen, you're being used by Satan to thwart the will of God for my life. Now listen, whatever you do, when you act on something, make sure you're not being used by the devil. The devil can use a believer. And he will if you're not careful. He was saying to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're being used to Satan. You're thwarting the will of God. You don't have the things of God primary on your mind. You have the things of men on your mind, Peter. You know, when Peter was in a boat, and he got out of a boat when he saw Jesus walking on the water, and Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, tell me to come. And the Lord said, it's me. Come on, Peter. Peter got out, started walking on the water, and all of a sudden he noticed the, he noticed the wind Felt the breeze, felt the wind really blowing hard. Noticed the waves, noticed the uh, tumultuous sea. He noticed all of those things around him. Took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And he cried out for help. And the Lord lifted him up and he said, You of little faith, why do you doubt? 
Now, just perhaps this morning I'm speaking to someone here or someone viewing by another means who feels there is a great distance between where you are now and where you want to be in your relationship with Jesus Christ as a believer. At one time you were here, but now you're here. And you're really struggling down here, and you want to get back up to here. That is backsliding. And that's not a fun place to be in because I've been there. Have you ever felt like Peter? I felt like Peter. I mean, had, had powerful times with the Lord. And then at times, not so powerful times. Sometimes where you just kind of feel lousy because, you're dis, because you've disappointed the Lord, the one that you love so much. You feel lousy about it. At one time, you kind of had fire in your step, in your walk with the Lord, but now you kind of grown cold in your relationship with the Lord. And the saddest person on earth today is not the unbeliever. The saddest person is the believer who no longer has the Lord first place in their life. You see... That unbeliever doesn't know what real joy is. That unbeliever does not understand the presence of God. That unbeliever doesn't understand the encouragement of Scripture. That unbeliever doesn't understand the strength of the Spirit. That unbeliever doesn't understand how God answers prayer in a person's life. Never has experienced that in their life, but a believer has. Only the believer closest to him knows this. What a tragedy when a believer coos off in worship and coos off in service to Jesus Christ. What a tragedy. So if you find yourself this morning in a backslidden condition, be serious about getting your spiritual life straightened out with the Lord today. Don't put it off anymore. So first of all, if you're taking notes, real quick, again. First, there's the desire of Satan. All right, the desire of Satan. Look at our text back at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, look at our text, verse 30. Satan has a desire. Let me turn the page. <clears throat> Luke chapter uh, 22, verse 30. Oh, so, no, I gave you the wrong one. I'll read it off the screen. He said, Simon, Simon, notice what he's doing. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may, what, sift you as wheat. Luke 22, verse 31. I said 30, I think it's 31. Luke 22, verse 31. Satan wants to do what? Satan wants to sift you. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as sweet. I wonder, see, Satan goes to Jesus, or to God, and he asks to sift Simon as sweet. It's kind of like Job. You remember Job, when Satan approached Jesus and talked to Jesus about Job? Jesus, where you been, Satan? He said, I've been back and forth all over the earth. And he said, well, have you considered my, my man Job? And he said, well, yes, but he's just serving you for what he can get out of you. 
And he said, listen, you can do anything to Job you want to do, but don't take his life. Don't touch his life. And so God has power, and what he allows Satan to do are to attack us and come to us. And I just wonder if Satan has asked the Father in glory to sift you as wheat or to sift me as wheat. That word sift there means to shake. It means to sift and to sieve uh, in order to separate the good grain from the chaff. Uh, my grandmother used to sift her, sift her meal, sift her flour. Some of you do bacon, y'all sift to make that separation, to get the lumps out and get the smooth flour, silky flour. And that's what Satan does. He wants to sift us to get the good he wants to get the good. Satan wants to sift and shake God's people, test them and try them, and to prove to God that they're not genuine in what they and who they say they are. He wants to sift us to disgrace God because he says, God, they're just really disloyal, and I want you to see this. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, jot this verse down. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be careful, Peter says, be on guard. You know, lions are beautiful. Uh, went to school at UNA, my alma mater, some of you have been there, and we had Leo, I forgot what number he was, but Leo the lion, beautiful creature. Beautiful animal, beautiful creatures. But you can't ever trust a lion. A lion tamer will tell you that there's no such thing as a tamed lion. No such thing. I mean, he may eat out of your hand. He may even let you put your head in his mouth. I'm not that stupid. But he may let you do that. He changed his mind the time I got my head in there. But anyway, all of a sudden, without any warning, he can just tear you from limb to limb. Just a sudden fury arises, arises in the heart of a lion. So this morning, here's the question. Are you one of the 150 million Americans who are so sophisticated today that they're saying there's really no, there's really no literal devil? Some people believe there's no devil. 60% plus of Americans say that the devil is just a figment of your imagination. Some of you are living like there's no such thing as a devil. Study God's Word, and you'll find that the devil is an angel of light. People say, well, they had these near-death experiences, and they see a light at the end of the tunnel, and they're assuming it's, it's uh, Jesus or God. But you know the devil can appear as an angel of light? And they said, I didn't get through the tunnel. You better be glad. It may have not been the Lord. He appears as an angel of light. He appears as the tempter, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, a roaring lion. But he won't tell the thief that after you steal, you're going to spend some time in jail. He won't tell the drug addict, if you continue the route you're going, you're going to end up dead. 
He's saying, everything's all right. You go ahead. Everything's okay. You don't have to worry. You'll do good. You'll do fine. Go ahead. Your friends are doing it. Go ahead. It's all right. It's kind of a, kind of a cool thing to do. He won't tell the student who cheats on a test, hey, you're going to have to take the class over. The devil won't tell a church member who doesn't pray, who doesn't read their Bible, who doesn't stay close to Jesus. At the end, you're going to perhaps experience a moral failure in your life. You don't say anything. The devil don't say anything about that. So you have the desire of Satan to sift you. You have the downfall of Simon, point number two, verse 33 through 34 and 54 through 60. And so the point is this, real quick, why did Peter turn from Christ? Look at verse 33, back at verse 33 in Luke, I believe it's Luke 33. Why did he turn from Christ? Well, first reason he turned from Christ is because of pride. Chapter 22, verse 33. But he said to him, Lord, notice this, I am ready to go with you, both the prison and the death. See his pride there? Pride. Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to go with you to death. Pride is an eye problem. I'm ready to go, Lord, to prison. I'm ready to go to death. Do you struggle with pride? Do you ever say, Lord, I'm never going to fall into that temptation? Lord, I'm always going to obey you. Lord, I'm, I'll never be like them. Lord, they, they are in bad shape. I'm never going to be in that shape. You ever, you ever said anything like that? So what brings about Peter's downfall? Lord, I'll go we to prison and I'll go we to death. But what happened? He denied the Lord. So he's full of pride. What happened to him? Prayerlessness. Remember Jesus going to the garden in prayer? And he caused his disciples to go and pray with him. And they had, you know, Jesus had this intense time with the Father, and he prays the blood, you know, drops from his brow like his sweat turned to blood and, and dropped for, from his forehead. And he goes and checks on his disciples, and, and he says, Why do you sleep? Arise, pray lest you enter into temptation. He knew hard times were coming for those disciples, but did they care? No, they, they didn't want to pray. They just felt like they'd just taken out while he prayed. Prayerlessness. He knew what they were about to face and that they'd need more strength and they'd need more prayer. Pray and practice. So the question is this, has anything come before your prayer time with God? Do you value your time all alone with God? Telling your burdens to God, sorrows to God, confessing your sins and your failures to God, getting to know His heart, relying on Him for your strength. And so the sin of prayerlessness will lead you into backsliding. Pride, prayerlessness, one more. Peer pressure. Look at Luke 22, verse 55. Luke 22, verse 55. And students, notice this, and adults too, we have peers also and friends. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, these were not disciples building the fire in the courtyard. These were the enemies of Christ. Peter sat down among them. So you have all these people that were opposed to Christ, and all of a sudden they build this fire, and Peter comes up and he sits with the enemies of Christ. 
So Peter got with the wrong crowd. Kindly put it where we can understand it. He got with the enemy crowd. Now let me give you something you need to make a mental note of. If you get in the wrong crowd, eventually they're going to bring you down. Just mark it down. If you get in the wrong crowd, eventually they're going to bring you down. Have you ever seen any of your friends, perhaps, that had a downfall who was hanging with the wrong crowd? Wrong students? Wrong friends? Adults, our friends? I was talking to a, a person the other day, 80 years old, and had some issues with some addiction. And I said, listen, when you get out, you're going to have to change friends. You're going to have to get rid of some old friends. You've got to find another crowd, so to speak. The point is, it's important. It's important who you hang with. And it's important to stay in church, stay close to Jesus, stay close to friends who will love you and who will encourage you and be there for you. We think it's more important at times to have the praise of men over the praise of God. But it's not that important to have the praise of men. But if you put Jesus first in your life, I promise you at the end, when it's all over with, you'll have true victory in your life. So don't allow the devil to use your peers to bring you down spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. Remember, Brother Sammy told you that on this day. What brings the downfall? Pride, prayerlessness, peer pressure. Number one, the desire of Satan, the downfall of Simon, and I'm going to close with this, the determination of the Savior. Verse 32, Luke chapter 22, notice what he says. The determination of the Savior. Jesus said, but I've prayed for you, speaking of Peter. I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Aren't you thankful that Jesus looks beyond our fault and he meets our needs? The determination of the Savior is not to focus on your failure. The determination of the Savior is not to focus on your failure. His determination is to pray for you. He's not your enemy. He's the best friend you'll ever have. He desires to restore us and to renew us to the purpose that He has for our lives. So maybe this morning you feel that your temptation is really too hard to handle, just like Peter's. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Some of you this morning are kind of crying on the inside, maybe on the outside, but uh, you won't come back to God. And He said, I'm praying that you will. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I feel too embarrassed. I feel ashamed of a decision that I've made months past or years past. Just remember this. Jesus is praying for you. He'll come back. You'd come back to him. He knew exactly what Peter was going to do, and he knows exactly what you're going to do or what you've already done. But he's praying for you. And so the good news is God loves you no matter what you've done. And if you've taken the wrong turn, He's willing to give you a new direction in your life. And if you failed in your service to Him, remember Peter. Our Lord's determined to make you useful again, if you'll just come back to Him. Humble yourself. Cast your care on Him. 
and the Lord will restore you. Just come back to Jesus. Jesus wanted Peter to know three things real quick. It's not on your outline. First, Jesus is your intercessor. He's praying for you. He was aware that Peter would stumble and fall, and he began to pray for Peter. He'd pray, he prayed for Peter that he wouldn't remain down, that he would get up. He pr- prayed that Peter wouldn't remain in sin, that he would come back to him. And so Jesus is your intercessor. He wanted Peter to know that. He wants you to know that, and every believer, to return back to God, he wants you to return back to him. Turn around, repent, come back to him. And third, we're to strengthen our brothers, he said, once we've returned to God. Teach others to find the mercy of God that we found in God. He wants us just to come back to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to think about this thing called backsliding, the sin of backsliding. Father, we pray now as we've examined our own heart and life, you've convicted us by your Holy Spirit ways that we have backslidden in our lives. And so, Father, we pray now that uh, we would come back to you. We pray we would take this time this morning, this day, this year to return to you. I pray for every person here. I pray for every person viewing Lord, that they would just pause in a time of a prayer for you and just call out to you and pray to you. If, you're, if you can hear me today, here in this place or by YouTube or Facebook, any, any way you're listening to this broadcast, pray this prayer if you would. Just pray. Let this be your prayer. Just say, God, I miss you. And I miss your people. I miss you and your people in my life. And I confess to you today that I've drifted away. And you know that. But I'm sorry. Please forgive me today. And renew my love. My covenant that I made with you when I asked you to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, dear Lord, for calling me back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray today you prayed prayer, that prayer, similar prayer, as you've come back.